Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Welcome to today's episode of the Encore Podcast. It is my delight and privilege to have with me Sherry Hewson, someone that I was recently introduced to through a mutual friend who heard about the Encore Podcast and all that we're doing and said, I have the lady for you. So then when I spoke to Sherry, I said, absolutely, he was right. Sherry is full of energy. She has amazing stories. She is a self-proclaimed adventurer, innovator, and entrepreneur, and has amazing life stories that take some crazy twists and turns that I'm excited for her to share them all with you. Thank you for joining me today, Sherry. Thank you, Sherry, for having me. It's wonderful. And just for the record, it's Sherry spelled the same way, so very cool. At any rate, Sherry has a great backstory, and I'm going to ask her to speak to us all about, you know, who you were, where you grew up, what you did in your earlier and your formative years, where you got to, because I know you had some tremendous successes in building some companies, and then I think there was a change, and I'm so excited to, when we get to that part, if you just want to give us your backstory, that'd be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you so much. My backstory is pretty normal. Growing up sort of middle class to poor family here in Kingston, Ontario. Went to public school and high school here and Queen's University. From parents who both worked very, very hard to keep us healthy. I was the first child to go in our whole family, even all the cousins, uh, to go to university and I took nursing degree. So I followed a real traditional childhood path. Mm -hmm. You know, we camped and we traveled and we were in the bush whenever we could and we went to school and worked hard. And after my Queen's degree was when I went, hmm, I don't want the same. Okay. I didn't want to be a nurse was what I'd realized as a career. Okay. I love the personality of the nurse. I love what a nurse can do. I am still a registered nurse, but I realized very early on in that degree that that was not for me. So at the age of 25, I started my first company. Oh, wow. Okay. I moved away from Kingston right after university. I went out west to Calgary. My dad had always said his biggest regret was not moving to Calgary and starting his own business. So I did that straight out of university and Why Calgary? Did your father have family there or an affinity? He loved the mountains and the horse culture, but he'd never lived any of that. Interesting. Okay, very interesting. So you went to pursue that for him. Went to pursue that and uh, started my first company at age 25, and it boomed and grew spectacularly. So I had a great growth company. It scaled up nationally. We were all across Canada, and I had a wonderful, successful business exit in my early So that was a medical business, is that correct? a home healthcare company. Okay. So again, I used the nursing background, and I ended up with a health entrepreneur career. Okay, very interesting. There was more than one, wasn't there? There was. I thought so, (laughs) if I'm remembering correctly. So I did return. I got my MBA from University of Calgary, started two more companies that failed. Okay. Miserably failed. Uh Uh-oh. And was bankrupt again in my 30s. 
and uh, had to start over. And so I had to get a job for the first sort of time. And it was such a jarring experience, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and a huge ego blow. And you're just feeling really quite embarrassed is the odd thing to say about it. But I had built this whole persona of who I was. Right. And it just felt like I was a fraud sort of at that point in time. I think a lot of us have imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> and then when life kicks us around a little bit and tells us we're right about the fact that we were an imposter. <laughs> and that was the MBA. Uh, I hate to say that, but I took an MBA because I felt even after a national scaled up company with hundreds and hundreds of employees, I felt like I had no business background. Mm, and then no okay. one I had credibility Interesting. Anyway, I started working, recognized the other entrepreneurial, innovative people in the company, and an opportunity came up to buy it, and we partnered with a venture capital firm, and eight of us purchased the company back from a U.S. parent, and we took it from a medium-sized company to the largest private health service company in Canada. Wow. Today, 12,000 employees. It was just a, an amazing journey right. with an incredible group of people. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So having to work for a little while turned out to be quite a great opportunity. Right. Well, you know, sometimes you have to be humbled. Yeah. And I say it often, but sometimes you have to be pruned to bloom again. And the pruning season sucks. I was through it it as well. It's not fun, but, you know, we get through it and we persevere. And, you know, the other side often looks really great and looks like something we weren't expecting. Yeah. Okay. So I have gone on. I've had another four companies. All have not failed miserably. So none have been huge, big exits again, but really decent companies with, you know, making an impact on communities. So up to the point that I left that fourth business, I had another side. So my other side goes along with entrepreneurship is I never wanted to lead the life that others was leading. Okay. So I almost in some ways, when I listened to your previous podcast and people sort of led a pretty steady lifestyle followed what society had sort of set for them until an age, you know, in which their 50s transitioned. I think I almost did it. I'm doing an opposite of that in some ways. But I've had a 10 year of what normal life would have been just now. Okay. So not just entrepreneurship, but I also became an extreme adventurer. So I was an ultra marathoner, an adventure, competitive adventure racer, which is multi-day, multi-sport, wilderness adventures oh my goodness good for you uh, no sleep (laughs) and you're on a team and it's just really pushing limits and it started me on this journey of always trying anything that I was afraid of or uncomfortable with so uh, scuba diving skydiving skydiving couldn't just be the normal way that people go and train we had to do the how is the highest that we can jump from as beginners amateurs wow 18,000 feet, you need oxygen. You're going to be without oxygen when you jump from the plane. It was this life of pushing limits and stepping into discomfort and trying new things and always connected to nature, always outdoors. I was fascinated by how our ancestors lived. We became survival experts, partly because of the adventure races. And we traveled, like I did a lot of extreme travel, climbing, you know, highest mountains in many six different countries. So a lot of sort of out there activities. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I left that fourth company, I was exhausted, burned out from that corporate world. And we decided to follow a dream. Okay. That strangely, my husband and I had each had as children when we didn't know each other, 
and when we met, the first night we met, had a conversation about it. Okay. And that conversation was about living off the land. So we actually uh, moved to the middle of nowhere in British Columbia and lived for seven years. Wow. Off the land, <laughs> off the grid, nearest community, five-hour drive away. Five hours. Way. That's a really long way. A long way. So if you needed something, you're a 10-hour round trip. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. And our closest neighbor was probably two hours away. So it was remote. So we were interior British Columbia uh, in between Williams Lake and Bella Coola. So we were on the eastern slopes of the Coast Mountains. Okay. Which is rain shadow. Okay. So not a lot of snow, not a lot of rain, desert-like. So summer's really cold at night, but nice and hot during the day. A lot of sand, glacier till land, a lot of pine forest and mountains. So we were on the edge of the mountains. We lived at 4,500 feet above sea level. So just that height as well is colder than you would be, you know, at sea level anywhere. Right. So we wanted to live as our ancestors had. So we actually did two years as hunter-gatherers. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I have so much respect for you. We didn't buy anything. (laughs) So this is another one of those that's push our limits. We didn't buy anything. So Survivor TV show is a bit of a, huh. Well, we did it for two years. Wow. And we didn't hunt with modern tools. We actually made fire with, by rubbing sticks together. We had a knife. That was our major innovation that we took to the wilderness. And we had, of course, hypothermia is what usually kills people in Canada. So we did build the shell of an earth ship home, which is one of the most environmentally friendly homes. Only we just built the shell. So we had a warm shelter at all times to come back to. And we had decent clothing that our ancestors would not have had. I'm literally fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we made traps out of sticks and we used throwing sticks and we made bows and arrow and fishing traps and we lived. Where my mind goes is how did you deal with the isolation? You must really like your husband <laughs> to spend that much time alone in the woods. So that's wonderful that you have that solid and that good of a connection and relationship. That's very yeah. special. And then not talking to the rest of the world or not communicating to the rest of the world, there's just so much silence. There is a huge amount of silence. Right. Huge amount of silence. But we did still connect with people. Okay. We learned a lot about community through that two-year, more isolated than anyone would ever have experienced. But we did connect with neighbors. Okay. And we did connect with a remote Indigenous community that was about a three-hour hike from us, about a six-hour drive if you took the real roads uh, to get there. And with these remote neighbors. And we had this strange community. And that's what actually led us to accidentally living the evolution of civilization in that seven years. Okay. Talk to us about that. Two years as hunter-gatherers, met neighbors, and eventually started to like just crave community, Mm -hmm. connection to others. And we started to trade and became farmers. So we traded for seed and for meat and we started farming. And that lasted one year and we realized, oh my goodness, farming is very, very hard, especially when you're packing water. There's not fertile soil. So we had to make soil from swamp mud and moose poop and try to fertilize with our own waste. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And that works great. But you waited on one crop. Okay. And we couldn't farm enough to feed two people. And so we needed neighbors. Right. And we needed that community. And we then added in 
solar and wind, and now we entered the industrial era where we had energy. And at that point, we built a greenhouse, we finished the earthship, put in all the systems of waste management, grey water systems, water capture systems, and started a, a greenhouse that was part of our home and finished up the Earthship. So you have to look up Earthships because they're right, really amazing. <laughs> they're made out of 80% garbage. So they're an amazing concept. And it taught us a lot and transitioned us from being huge environmentalists to the end of the seven year, really speaking about innovation. So we added internet and then entered the information era. And when we added that, we had our fingers on all this knowledge right. that uh, allowed us to automate the entire system. So we had a fully circular, self-sufficient food system that was automated. And our seventh year, we were fully free from time and money, which is such often people that, you know, the two things everybody wants in the world is freedom from time and money. Right. And we were able to just explore at that point nature and live in nature and continue to build over this time period a really strong relationship with that Indigenous community and sharing skills and knowledge and unlearning so much of what I'd learned right. in Western society. So it was an amazing journey. I imagine. Unexpected. <laughs> That's great. Do you stay in touch with those people now? Absolutely. That's so, so beautiful. I sit on their economic development board and visit regularly and work with them on their community plan and strategic planning and entrepreneurship. So Very nice. Uh, and have connected with other communities through them as well. So what brought you back to Kingston? Yeah, so that was when I started the journey of the life everyone else typically leads. Right. Is I came back to Kingston for aging parents. Okay. At that point, so that's been the last nine years, and I didn't want to start anything entrepreneurial given the amount of effort that's required. It's all consuming. For that. It's very all consuming. But it started me on a different journey is I got a job at Queen's University, so that's really been my primary job I've ever held. And I co-created the Masters of Management program in Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And that I started so to interesting. It's a great <laughs> master's program. It's a joint partnership between engineering and the School of Business and a really spectacular program. As I started to teach and tell stories, that's when I realized I'd lived an unusual life. Interesting. Because I was just living my life. Right. I was out doing the things I wanted to do, every dream I had, I went and did. Right. Pushed every limit I could think of. And now I was on this journey of caring for parents, and um, that is definitely not for the faint of heart. And through this time, as I started to tell the story, started to analyze what was I doing. What was I doing? Because people could ask me, how did I do that? Why did I do it? And what did it do? And so I started to learn about what I've been doing and realized that what I did, others can learn from because it's all related to neuroplasticity and creating more connections in our brain by stepping out of our ruts, right. stepping out of our life that we felt we should have lived. And so teaching now in innovation and problem solving and resiliency and anti-fragility and how do you create for yourself confidence and the ability to go live what you want to live. And so that has ended up helping, I'm mentoring and advising all generations right. on doing that. When we spoke on the phone, we were talking a lot about doing the unexpected yeah, and even little things that we can try in the day. Can you share the example you shared with me about just 
retraining your brain. Yeah, so I don't know how I was naturally doing these things, but whenever I felt really stressed, like I was stuck, I would figure out something to go and just push me into a healthy but stressful discomfort place. Okay. So one of the tricks that I did, and, and people have to work their way up, right? right? So I had a life of slowly working my way up to the extreme going to the bush, right? So all of my different activities was leading towards something big. Right. I didn't just jump to the scariest thing. But one of the things that I do is find an elevator, step on that elevator and stay facing everyone. Right. Don't turn around <laughs> and face the door like everyone else. And as you step in, your fear goes up and you're like, <gasps> and then you have this pause moment. Once you've taken the step and firmly set yourself facing everyone, your fear then starts to subside and you gain this confidence and you start to smile. Right. And others will smile back. Some will start to laugh. And then there's a conversation that erupts. And by the time everyone gets off that elevator, it's like you've had a bonding moment with strangers. Right. So that one's an e quite an easy one to do, but scary. I'm going to try it next week. I'm Excellent. going to Toronto, and I'm going to be in a facility that has an elevator because I don't on a day-to-day -day basis now, but I'm going to dare myself to do it next week, so I'll let you know what happens. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And I just tell people, start small. Right. If you always read fiction, go read nonfiction. If you always drive the same way to work, drive a different way to work, and it's actually creating... Right. neuroplasticity of your brain. Yeah, I follow a lot of coaches and gurus in my industry. And one of the things they talk about is very similar. And it's really do something that scares you every day, or that's different. And yes. so for me, it's silly. But you know, I might go to one shoppers drug mart on a regular basis. And I feel like it's a crazy day when I choose to go to the other one. Yep. But it's so true, because so true. you're potentially going to speak to a different cashier, you're going to run into somebody you wouldn't necessarily have ran into. And even just the rhythm of driving, you have to think a little bit differently because yeah. the rest of the time you're kind of going through life in autopilot. Yeah. So I love that and I yeah. agree 100% that it's important to continue to challenge ourselves in that way. Yeah, and helping people do that and helping people become entrepreneurs and innovators has really become what my next chapter will be. Okay, so I asked permission already to share. So yes. you are 59. I am. And you are glowing and you certainly don't look 59 or what we remember our moms at 59 to look like. I hear no signs of slowing down in your plans and I suspect there's probably three or four more adventure filled chapters for you coming in the future. Yeah. What do your plans look like for the next couple of years, or the next couple of chapters, I guess? Yeah. And I think we're looking again at aging a little different than the rest of the world. Right. So part of this journey with my parents has been this recognition um, that time is short. Yeah. And so we're sort of counting backwards and going, all right, in the next 10 years, this is what we're going to be doing. And then in the following 10 years, as long as health is still with us, we're going to do X. But for the next 10 years, we don't have X figured out yet. But we know in the next 10 years, there's several things that we really want to pursue. And they really are related to anti-fragility, okay. um, which is more than resilience. It's going through or disruption or having chaos or difficult times, but coming out healthier, stronger, better than you were before. I want that. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And one, I want to continue to mentor and I have global mentorship of helping people find their path and their new goals. But... What I really want to do is explore people who have done similar things and survive difficult experiences and come out the other side 
healthier and learning from them. And I want to add sort of to that body of knowledge of how do we help people become healthier uh, mentally, emotionally, and stronger. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I are going to combine that with getting ourselves back out in the wilderness. We can't adventure race anymore. So what we've come up with is we are searching for lost and missing people cold cases. Oh my goodness. And we started, we've done three this year. My husband's private investigator, search and rescue, major survival expert and outdoorsman. So we've started looking for cold cases in Canada and we're going to do that around the world and tell the stories of people that have gone missing, tell the stories of those who have survived difficult adventures to learn from their stories of how do we help people be stronger that and healthier. so interesting. It's all about mindset. And, and so inspiring. Yeah. We're definitely going to have to reconnect after <laughs> this. I have so many thoughts about that, but what an inspiration. Yeah. You really are a gift, and I'm so glad that you're part of our community. Thank you. And just making a difference to, I'm sure, everyone that you come in touch with. That's beautiful. And entrepreneurship. I right. can add one more thing in. My right. entrepreneur journey. I've learned a lot about mental health, working with students, with my parents, in their aging process. And I've had, in my younger years, in my 20s, my spouse at the time did commit suicide. So I've circled back Mm. again to that mission or passion and am exploring that next entrepreneurial journey. And we founded a company called NUMA, and I'm working with a company called Redbird Circle, which is an Indigenous company that does wellness and education. And we are exploring the new and burgeoning field of psychedelics. Okay. Well, one of my questions was actually going to be a little bit selfish. However, where do you get the energy? Because you have, it sounds like, unlimited (laughs) ideas. And I have limited energy. (laughs) Even if I had unlimited ideas. Is there something that you've learned through all of this about, you know, keeping your energy and your own spirits high to accomplish all these big goals that you have? I would say, number one, I was gifted with the art of sleep (laughs) from my father. So I sleep incredibly well through old difficulties and failed businesses and suicide of my spouse and mentally ill parent. I've slept. And I know that, you know, people that don't sleep, I have tremendous empathy for that because it does lead to a lot more energy when yeah, you can I'm sleep well. Yeah, I'm currently one of them. I am having issues sleeping. Yeah. But I do hear that does that is the most important women for women over 50. Change, yes. <laughs> but I have always slept well. And I would say the other piece is I've always been connected to nature. Always. A lot. We live in a 500 square foot cabin outside of Kingston today. Really? In the bush, on a lake. We're in the water at New Year's and Christmas and then get up and skate. We're active all the time, so lots of movement. And I try not to say exercise anymore, even though I was really into exercise and fitness and eating well. I'm a little gentler on all of that, and it's all about movement. I love biking and cross-country skiing, and, and so we'd stay active. And that actually gives you more energy. Right. Okay. Weirdly. Yes, I have heard those things. <laughs> it's just the execution. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's of. all part of that how do I help people get to a place that they can follow a dream and it does include that self-time. I consider all that my self-time. That's great. Where would someone find you if they wanted to get in touch with you? LinkedIn okay. is really where I hang out more than anywhere else. And I don't usually do much other social media. I find it is harmful. Not good for <laughs> your brain. People, so I don't post a lot on some of those other mediums at this time. Good for you. We might for our cold case missing people though. Have to that up yes so i'm 
very intrigued by that and we will have to have a follow-up conversation on it and maybe next year we'll have you come back and tell us a little bit about those adventures and if there's anything yeah. we can do of course please reach out and help i have uh, reached to a number of different platforms and i would also love to find some missing people just heart-wrenching yes i'm literally fascinated by our conversation today every single time we speak i learn new and more interesting and intriguing things about you and i thank you so much for sharing your stories I can't wait to you know, continue to follow your journey and all the fascinating things that you're doing. And I so sincerely appreciate you being with us today. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share? I just want to thank you for letting me storytell again. And if we can make a difference in people's lives, that's really what the next chapter is.